I love that we can talk. This is awesome. Fellowship is good. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Alan said he needs to whistle. <laughs> Um, just a couple of things real quick. Um, this is, we're going to get this in our bulletin, but March 24th, it's a way, long ways ahead. But our superintendent will be here uh, March 24th to preach that morning. And I think it's for the commissioning service and stuff like that. So just letting you know about that. And if you haven't met Daryl Wooten, he is an awesome, awesome guy. I really like him. And then, uh, then also when I was talking, when uh, uh, Randy mentioned the reports, so... When, when we do our annual business meeting coming up, so just get, I know that's coming up soon. It, it may not seem like a long way off, but before you know, it will be here. Um, I, you know, if you've got a ministry, it doesn't have to be a long report. Just share what God has done this year and what you plan on doing this next year in it. And that gives the church an idea of, hey, this is what's happened this year. So like when I do a report on there, some of you guys that aren't members yet, if you want to be a member, come see me. But on the report there, you know, you'll just, I'll just explain, hey, this is what we've done so far, this is what we are doing, and this is what we plan on doing. And you look at all the highlights and look at the good stuff. So that, that's what I meant by when Randy made that announcement this morning. So if you, if you are a member and you have a ministry here in the church and you're involved, in it, just write up a small report, get it to me. If you just want to write it out and want me to type it out, I'll type it out, no problem. All right? Anybody else have any other? Yes. And men, you're not allowed. <laughs> All right, would you please stand? Let's go to the Lord. Yes, Randy. Do what? Oh, daylight savings time. That's next Sunday? Next Saturday? Saturday night. Fall back, spring forward. You get an extra hour of sleep next week. As an old Indian say, only white man would take... Uh, 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 Blanket cut end off and sew on the other end. <laughs> Let's go to the Lord prayer. Father, we just honor you. I love that we can laugh. Lord, you said that laughter is a medicine for the soul. And so, Father, let us do that in our worship tonight. Honor you and praise you in everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead.
into this house, magnify the Lord, lift up holy hands, our hearts in one accord, for he is worthy, worthy of all our praise. For he is worthy, worthy of all our praise. Let's sing that again. Come into this house. Into this house, magnify the Lord, lift up holy hands, our hearts in one accord, for he is worthy, worthy of all our praise. For he is worthy, worthy of all our praise. He's worthy of honor and glory. Worship and bow down before Him, exalt His holy name. Come into this house, magnify the Lord, lift up holy hands, our hearts in one accord, for He is worthy, worthy of all our praise. For He is worthy. Worthy of all our praise. He's worthy of honor and glory. He's worthy of power and praise. Worship and bow down before Him. Exalt His holy name. time to worship. Come, now is the time to give your heart. Come, just as you are to worship. Come, just as you are before your One day every tongue will confess you are God, and one day every knee will bow. Still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. Come, now is the time to worship. the time to give your heart. Come, just as you are to worship. And come, just as you are before your heart. Come,
we are we come before your throne tonight God Father we just want to humble ourselves before you Lord just to praise your name Father just to thank you God for who you are Lord for what you've done God and anticipate the things to come God Father we trust in you we trust in your name God Father we know we can call on you in times of trouble God and you're just a whisper away, Father. Holy Spirit, have your way in this service tonight. Just move through the hearts and the minds of your people here, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, 
want to praise the wonders of you. song says he's faithful and constant and so loving and so true father there is none more loving than you god father help us to never take that for granted god the love you have for us lord help us to always reciprocate that love back to you god and the best that we can father there is no comparison god to the love you have for us and what you wouldn't do for your children.
this scripture to you. It's a very familiar scripture, but it's something you need to remember. It says, and you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. That seal is, means ownership. He has written himself upon our hearts, as that song says. He has deposited the Holy Spirit who's not just a thing, but he's the third person of the Trinity. He is God. Think about that. The God that created the heavens and earth. When we get saved, he deposits himself into us. And, and, and it says that he writes on the tablet of our hearts. He writes his law. He writes his words. Jesus, we thank you tonight. Us that are born again, that are saved, that have given our life to you, that have surrendered to you. The moment we did that, not only did you write our name in the Lamb's Book of Life, but you deposited your Holy Spirit into our hearts and put your ownership, your seal of ownership on us, saying, that's mine. Satan, get your hands off of them. They are mine. We thank you for that tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to sit in a moment for a minute. Robin, I'm going to put you on the spot, but is God giving you a word? Amen. God just told me to ask you to share. So let's, let's do something real quick, just real quick before we sit down. 
Father, we just come to you tonight. I can't speak for other people out here, but I can speak for myself. Lord, would you touch us as a church? Would you give us a fire to reach the lost? Would you give us just that purpose and that drive and the motivation with the power of the Holy Spirit, not in our, of ourselves, but dependence on your spirit to open up doors to reach this community for Jesus? Father, we know that there's jobs that are going to be lost at Michelin. We know that there's going to be lives that are changed because of it. God, help us to be that bridge. In fact, help us be the one to show them that you're the bridge from being lost to having life. Give us open doors. Give us direction. Give us guidance. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And you know, I would ask that you continue to keep in prayer, uh, Michelin too. How many of you guys have heard about that this week? So um, I found out, we were at Classical Conversations, you know, my daughters take homeschooling group. And uh, so on Thursday, we were uh, at school and one of the other gentlemen there, he's a pastor that's not pastoring. (laughs) So I'm praying that God begins to lay on his heart to come to start pastoring. But he shared with me what his pastor said and And then I called Rick, and Rick confirmed it. So we need to pray for them. Um, You know, that's a lot of jobs. So, and that's livelihoods and stuff like that. Um, And then on Friday, so we had planned on going to a pumpkin patch with our family. Normally, I've been working Fridays because I've taken Thursdays out, but we decided to go to a pumpkin patch. And how many of you guys have, and this is just speaking on, this isn't isn't a sermon. I'm just telling you something. You got to listen to the Holy Spirit, you know, and, when, have you ever had those moments where God kept you from doing something and sometimes he permits things to happen? Yeah. Well, that happened. And, uh, and so later on that day is when the, the car died. So God didn't want us to travel <laughs> all the way down to, uh, we were going to go down to a pumpkin patch there in Texas. And I'm glad that he didn't have us do that because we might have got stranded still. Yeah. All right. Well, God bless you. How's everybody doing tonight? Having a great night? How was the movie? It was okay. <laughs> it was a kind of... Uh... <laughs> we'll talk about it later. I want to ask, too. I had Somebody said they had some testimonies from when we got together and prayed a couple weeks ago or about a week ago. Who was it that said that? Anybody here tonight? We had some testimonies. You did, Carol? Do you want to share this? I forgot to do that on the, please forgive me about that. I just, I get in a mode. But are we allowed to share those testimonies? She's right here. (laughs) Yeah, praise the Lord. Wow. It's terrible. So when I was, that night we were praying, I'm like, please, make it not hurt. I'm scared to go. <laughs> I don't even want to go. And she's like, he's got this. He's yeah. Right. He's got this. I didn't feel, I didn't even feel needle. Oh, nothing. Wow. Hurt. I mean, yeah. No, that's. I mean, think about it. She goes from, so what she was saying is she went to the dentist, if you didn't hear it. And last time she went to the dentist, her mouth was so sore she couldn't eat for how long? A month. 
and we broke up into groups to pray for each other, that tells you that the prayer of a righteous man is what? Powerful and effective. It doesn't always have to be me. Listen, we're all the same. We're all in the same group. God has no respecters of persons, right? So praise the Lord. What was the other one? Okay, go ahead, Carol. Sure, that's fine. But if you're in DHS or CPS or whatever worker that is, God bless you, but right now I'm angry with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Amen. That's right. That's right. Amen. Yeah. Amen. There, there's an importance of why I did that. Because when you pray together, God answers. Two or more agree in his name, it shall be done what? On earth as it is in heaven. So I, if you have any more testimonies from that night, let me know. If you have testimonies from us just having prayer together, let, let me know. We need to know. We need to know that God answers prayer. All right, on another note, let me go here to my notes here. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. He did. I got to pray with him this morning. Yeah. Th thank you for reminding me. And I, we'll get his name afterwards. Because some people like to be private. I don't know if they want to be private about it. But amen. Thank you for reminding me of that. He came forward for rededication. So we rededicated his life to Jesus. Hey, those are good. Testimony time is good. We need this. Okay. All right. You ready? Here we go. All right, so we're in James chapter 4. We had last time we read verses 1 through 10, and we need to read it again. And we're going to pick up where we left off. So James chapter 4, verse 1. And, and the title is just Submission to God. Really, all this involves us submitting ourselves to the Lord. Okay? He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? 
Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that the Spirit He caused to live within us envies intensely, but He gives us more grace? That is why Scripture said, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Is there feedback going on? I, I hear feedback. It's, it's God moving amongst our midst. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, as we study the book of James tonight, Father, give us insights that we've never had before. Open up the eyes of our understanding. Lord, help us to practice what we, not only what I preach, but what we hear. Uh, Father, again, I'm your vessel. I can do nothing apart from you. We're a team. We're a body. We're the body of Christ working together to do works of ministry, to build up the body of believers. So, Father, again, I get out of the way so you can speak. Plant that seed on good soil tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. So last time, we looked at the battles of the heart. The battles of the heart are wrong desires. And when we have wrong desires, it talked about envy or covetousness, coveting something that somebody else has, envy in them. I, I want what they have, and I'll do whatever it takes to get what they have, and not realizing what God has given us is what we need, right? So battles of the heart. Then we looked at the adultery of the heart. So let's start there tonight. The adultery of the heart. Look in verse 4. Now remember, he's, there, there was battles going on within the church. People wanted stuff and they weren't getting it. it obviously some, some commentaries say it was a position within the church. We don't know. But he says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is what towards God? So friendship with the world is saying, I love the world and the things of the world more than I do my relationship with Jesus. And he's speaking to the church here. He's not speaking to non-believers. He's speaking to believers. And he's saying, where does your love lie? Does, it love, does your love lie with the world or does it lie with the Lord? Are your pursuits for yourself or for the kingdom? Then he goes on to say, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. What a, I mean, again, James, again, I called this title one time in the series, Pulling No Punches. Because James pulls no punches. He basically lays out and says, listen, if you're going to love the world, then you're an enemy of God. You're calling yourself a Christian, but you're doing things that the world does? You better check yourself in your relationship with Jesus. Right? I'm sure there's some kind of southern way of saying that. I'm going to get it one of these days. There you go. <laughs> he said, if you run with the dogs, you get fleas. <laughs> I'm going to miss you guys. You're not allowed to leave. <laughs> Again, he calls these believers adulterers. So what caused these people to commit adultery against the Lord? We looked at the scripture, but I want to, uh, this verse again, covetousness. The word covet here comes from the Greek word, and, it, and I'm not going to say it. It means a, to burn with zeal, to be heated or to boil with envy, 
hatred or anger, to desire earnestly, pursue to desire one earnestly, to strive after, busy oneself about him. Uh, I, I didn't get that last definition there. Busy, oh, I guess it would just be selfishness. So basically it comes down to self. What makes me feel better? What can I get out of it? Listen, church ministry is about other people, not about ourselves. It's about ministering to the needs of the people, serving them, loving them. So discontent or uneasiness at the sight of another's excellence or good fortune accompanied with some degree of hatred and a desire to possess equal advantages. Malicious grudging. That's the Webster Dictionary. So Webster just basically points it out. You want something that somebody else has and you can't get it. So you'll connive, you'll, you'll cause problems, you'll come cause strife. In fact, James says where you see this, you see evil, every evil practice. So within churches, if you see a lot of strife, it's possibly because somebody's not getting what they want. We do that in our families, don't we? I see it with my kids. One gets something, the other one didn't get it, so they get jealous and they get upset and they what? Quarrel and fight. I, I've seen it with my kids. But adults do it and we're God's kids. And I got to wonder sometimes if when I was a kid, <laughs> I'm going to state this, but I'd, my dad would pop me on the back of the head, right? In those days, he just had to look at me. I don't have that look. I don't know why. It doesn't work with my girls. <laughs> it's funny, though, because you think about it. All they have to do is come over and sit on Daddy's lap, you know, and then Stacy goes, they're manipulating you. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 21, this is of the Ten Commandments. You must not covet your neighbor's wife. You must not covet your neighbor's house or land, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Turn to your right and your left. That's your neighbor. That's your neighbor. When he says neighbor, he means anybody that's made in the image of God. Now, you can have what he has, Robin, because she looked at him. <laughs> you two shall become one flesh. <laughs> Pearl's like, why did you do that to me? <laughs> it's okay to laugh in church, guys. It's okay to have fun. But, and if I make it too fun of this, I'm sorry, Merle, I apologize. Jesus said, and I shared this last week, what are the two greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and what? Strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus summed up the Ten Commandments in two commandments. The first four deal with God. The next six deal with your fellow man. What's that make? A cross. Vertical. Horizontal. Your vertical, when it's right, your horizontal will be correct. That doesn't mean it's going to be perfect, but it'll be correct. You do something wrong or you offend somebody, you go to your heart. You go to that person, right? And you make it right. For instance, if, if they're listening online, I got Jan's name wrong at the farmer's market. I called her Linda. And I felt really bad about that, so please forgive me. But 
I'm, I'm working on names, and it's hard to remember names. So please be gracious with me. <laughs> if I call you a different name, just go, Pastor, it's this one. <laughs> and she was very gracious. She was so sweet about it. But I beat myself up about it. But when you do something wrong, you go to that person, right? It's about relationships. What's the body made up of? Relationships. And we're all different, aren't we? Everyone's different. I've shared this before, but even opposites attracts, we're all opposites. We really are. You may have two introverts, but they can have different opinions about things. Right? So don't covet. That means don't want what the other person has at the expense of them. Meaning treating them bad. Acting out towards them. I've seen this before when people have a hard time having children. And I'm not here to pick on anybody. I've seen this personally in a, in a family member. And God's blessed that person now. But at the time, they didn't even want to see our child when we had our child. And I'm not angry about that. And I hope they're not listening tonight. But it, it can get deep-seated. And we got to be really careful that we don't. We need to be happy when somebody else is blessed. The major source of quarrels and conflict in the church centers in a desire for recognition. Did you get that? I want to be noticed. Honor. I want to be honored. Power. I want to be in charge. Pleasure. What can I get out of it? Money. Some do it out of money, right? You see some, I'm not picking on any preacher or anything like, but some do it just out of money. Some of them have been busted for it. How about superiority? I'm in charge, you're not. The satisfaction of selfish desires becomes more important than the righteousness and God's will. When this happens, self-centered conflicts are created in the fellowship. Those responsible show themselves to be controlled by the sinful nature rather than by the spirit. And that's life in the spirit Bible. We looked at those. The, 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 remember last week, we looked at the, the conflict between the, the flesh and the what? And the spirit. Whatever you feed will be stronger. If you feed the spirit more, it will be stronger. If you feed the flesh, it will be stronger. I'll give you an example of this. One year, my pastor, Pastor Dave, and, and, uh, and our church was headed over to a black church to have church with them. And man, those people can dance, they can sing, you know. It was awesome. I called them, they were Baptists, but man, they were Bapticostals. And earlier that day, I was struggling with some things. I was listening, and I love, I love 70s music. I grew up around it. That's what my dad used to quiz me on it. But some of that music's not good. The lyrics are bad, right? The spirit behind them is not good. So I was struggling with that. I still struggle with that once in a while, I have to admit. Good old journey song comes. I said that in church. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. But I struggle with that. But let me, let me tell you something. That day I was struggling with this. And the Lord said, junk in, junk out. And I went, oh, that's just me. Anybody ever do that? So we go to service that night. Pastor Dave's message was junk in, junk out. And I went, no, come on. That's God's way of telling us we need to be careful what we allow to enter into our ears and our eyes. Remember that song? Yeah. Be careful little eyes what you see. Yeah. yeah, be careful little ears what you hear. My wife can sing it a whole lot better than I can. So their covetousness, 
resulted in idolatry. When you are coveting something that somebody else has, you're committing adult idolatry against God and adultery because he says you're adulterous. So both of them are two different things. Adultery of the spirit, you're loving that thing more than your relationship with God, and idolatry, you're making an idol out of it. When you want something that somebody else has, you're telling God what he's given you is not good enough. But Lord, you don't understand, I don't have a lot of stuff. I, I remember being up at uh, up there in Longview one time and I was frustrated about some situations with our finances and all this stuff and I was complaining and, and murmuring. Anybody do the complaining, the Israelite thing? I'm just glad that we don't have to wander in the desert for 40 years. And I remember listening to Chuck Swindoll that morning. He was talking about Jonah. And Jonah got angry with God. Didn't he get angry with God? Because God was going to, what, deliver the Ninevites? Now, if you don't know anything about the history of the Ninevites, they were horrible. I mean, this is worse than what Hamas did to Israel. What Hamas did was bad. They would actually stack up skulls in front of their gates of people that they killed. If you do a history on that. And so you can understand it was one of Israel's greatest enemies. And I share that, the, the, the significance of that, because they, they were just a horrible people. And yet God wanted to do what? Save them. There's not a soul that God doesn't want to save, but people choose to go where they go. And Chuck Swindoll was talking about how Jonah was angry. So God, what did God do? He, he made a plant grow to cover him up, and he fed him. And then what happened? He caused the sun to come and scorch that, and Jonah got angry. And Chuck goes, you have no right to get angry with God. Do you have two eyes? Do you have food on your table? Did you walk? And I remember him going through everything that I complained to God about that day. God knows your mail. And then when he wants to get your attention, he will. And I remember just feeling conviction. And I repented right then in that moment. So covetousness is a form of idolatry. You're making an idol out of those things. James says committing adultery against God means we are friends again with the world and enemies of God. How many of you guys want to be an enemy of God? I mean, this is, he's it. Satan is God's enemy. And remember this, Satan was created by God, so Satan still belongs to God. And God can do whatever he wants. He went so far as to speak of them as adulterers and adulteresses. And then adopting a gentler pleading tone, he says, You are grieving the Holy Spirit who has come to dwell within you, who yearns with a jealous envy to possess your entire nature for himself that is Meyer in his commentary I want to read that again look what he says he went so far as to speak of them as adulterers and adulteresses James is saying you guys are committing adultery against God and then adopting a gentler pleading tone he says this you are grieving the Holy Spirit when we do those things we grieve the Holy Spirit Look with me real quick in your Bibles. Verse 5, look what he says here. Or don't you think Scripture says without reason that the Spirit he caused 
to live in us envies intensely. God loves us so much. He wants all of us. He doesn't want anything to take us away from him. Robin and I were talking about that just before church, weren't we? How much God will run after us. He loves us so much. He loves the relationship. Think about this. He sent his son to die on the cross, beaten for us, pierced for us. That's the greatest act of love. That should tell you how much God loves you and then how he envies intensely for your attention. How much he loves you. Think about that. We, we, we hunger for God and we should hunger for him. And yet God envies intensely for us. Have you ever thought about that for a minute? Have you ever thought about God hungering after you? Envying. Think about the love there. I mean, ladies, when your man was going after you, Right? He opened the door for you. I've learned now that I've been married. She reminds me once in a while, you used to do this for me. It's a good reminder because sometimes we forget, right? What would you do? You'd go buy her flowers, open the door, pull out the chair, right? I'm getting some smirks like, no. <laughs> but you envy. You want to spend time with her. You want to call her, right? And then when you're married for a while, the honeymoon wears off, right? I'm being honest, right? Life hits. And before you know it, your wife is like, remember what you used to do? God is saying that to us. When we first fell in love with him, we, we loved him. We wanted to be in his presence. We wanted to praise him. We wanted to be with him. But then after a while, it begins to wear off. And just like the Ephesians... The church in Ephesus, they forgot their first love. And when we do that, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. In fact, we can grieve the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Ephesians 4.30 And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of what? Redemption. The word grieve here in Ephesians is the Greek word uh, and I'm not, I try not to say is I, I, I try practicing them and then I forget about it. So you can try to figure that out on your own. Lupeo, which means to make sorrowful, to, to affect with sadness, cause grief, to throw into sorrow, to grieve, offend, to make one uneasy, cause him a scruple. How many of you guys want to offend the Holy Spirit? To, to cause him sadness and yet when if we're adulterous and we're putting these things before God and, and we're putting our position before God and all this stuff in our things anything that's an idol if we're putting our spouse or our kids or our relationships before God we can greed the Holy Spirit and make him sad and the Holy Spirit is God he's the third person of the Trinity and that includes me and you, or you and I, if you want to do it correctly. For you grammar people, my wife will correct me sometimes. So listen, guys, we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. 
So when we work in the body of Christ, we work as a team. You know, I'm, I, 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 I am privileged to stand behind here because of you guys. God put me here. And, and I feel privileged to just be your pastor and love on you. And that God led me here. It's not a position I take lightly. You know, visiting somebody in hospice last week and praying with her because she watched online, that's a privilege. I, I get the privilege to pray with her. Even though she wasn't coherent, she could still hear. And, when, and I don't know if she's gone home to be with the Lord, but one of these days I get to heaven, I'm going to say, I, go, I might get to meet her. And she'll say, hey, thanks for praying for me. That's what it's all about. It's helping each other. You know, even what you guys celebrate today, I get humbled by that. I almost get embarrassed by it. I, I can stand up here and preach, but when people do for me things for me, I get embarrassed. I just do. Because I feel like this is a team effort. What about Congregation Appreciation Month? Right? Because we're all in it together. We're part of the body. So I don't want to make the Holy Spirit sad. And, and you can sense it when you do. You get that uneasiness in the spirit. So what is the root of covetousness? It is pride. It's pride. Look with here in verse 6. He says, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture said, God opposes the what? Proud, but gives grace to the humble. The whole issue of not getting what you want, selfishness is prideful. Because it's all about who? Me. That's what Satan did. I think, and this is my personal opinion, you can go study it. When I say personal opinion, that doesn't mean it's, I'm 100% correct on it, so go study it, and I could be completely wrong, and I'm okay with that. We'll figure it out, right? If I'm wrong, I'll take correction on it. But I think when God said, I'm going to make man in my own image, and that angels would be ministering servants to them. Remember, Satan was the top angel. I think that's when pride entered his heart. Because now he wasn't the top dog anymore. It's possible. Notice I said possible. We don't know. So the root of covetousness is really pride. The antidote to pride is what? Humility. James says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. What is grace? God's unmerited favor. You know, uh, the Apostle Paul, when he was struggling, with, remember, with the thorn in his flesh. And I love that he leaves it open. We don't know what that was. There's a lot of ideas of what they think it was. But he says, well, what did he tell Paul? My, when he prayed that God would remove it, my grace is what? Sufficient for you, for my power is made strong in your weakness. Huh? That's right. And we don't know what it was he was buffeting him about. That's true. It could have been pride because he had been to heaven. So James says God opposes the what? Proud. But gives grace to the humble. So the, so the antidote, antidote to all of this, if you want a medicine to all of this, the shot that you need to take for this, it's called humility. Humility. Coming before God and saying, God... You know, they have something I want, and I'm going to give it to you and say, forgive me for this attitude. Help me accept what you've given me. That's humility. Amen. Number three, the healing of the heart begins, again, with humility. 
Humility is demonstrated in our submission to God. Look at verse 7. James says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will what? Flee from you. Humility starts with submission. Submitting to God. Submitting to his lordship, his plans, his desires for your life. I know some of you guys, you're retired, but God still has plans for you. May I remind you of Moses? Yeah. How about Abraham? Yeah. I, didn't, I got some amens. <laughs> some of you guys are looking at me like, no way, pastor. You never know what God can use you in. God can use any of us, young or old, middle-aged. I've seen God work in little kids. I've seen God work. I'll never forget when I was in the service, there was an older gentleman. He was probably, I think he was like 83, and he had a belt buckle. The first thing when he came out, he was like joyful and happy. And he goes, isn't Jesus great? And I said, yeah, he is. And you know what his belt buckle said? Joy. Man, he, his belt buckle showed what he had. I will never forget that. A bunch of us GIs with the church, we went over to uh, a Spirit Mountain over in Duluth, Minnesota, and we went skiing, and I'll never forget that guy. And he comes out, and he goes, isn't God good? I hope we're like that. Submission is acted out in our lives through repentance. Look at verse 8. Actually, let, let, let's look at verse 7. He says, submit yourselves then to God, resist who? The devil. That means you need to resist these temptations of the flesh. Satan knows that uh, he uses the same things, lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, to get us to fall. So he'll bring a temptation. We resist him, fight against him, stand firm against him. Don't let him in. And then look what it says. He will do what? Flee. It means he will run from you. Then look at verse 8. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. First, first thing, submission is acting our lives through repentance, which is the first part of coming near to who? To God. You're struggling with a, a covetousness. God, I need help in this area. I'm struggling with this. You come to God. You come before the throne. You take it before God. God, I need your help, right? You're struggling with temptation. Temptation comes in a lot of different forms. We were talking about that today, this morning. Lust comes in a lot of different forms. It can be food. Yep. Sunday school, you're diabetic and you know you're not supposed to eat sugar. Yep. At our last church, it was funny because half the people were diabetic, but all the food that they brought had was full of sugar. And I used to laugh about it. I'm not kidding. You would have potlucks and, and, and wonderful people, but they put sugar out. <laughs> I'm going... Do you not understand that you're not supposed to eat that? How about this one? Cars, material things, houses. It could be anything. So you come to God. You come to God with your problem. You say, God, I'm struggling with this. And then he says, wash your hands, you sinners. Admit that you've messed up. Admit that you're struggling, right? To wash your hands means come before God and admit, God, I have made a mistake. I have a wrong heart, wrong attitude. I do this often. I'll pray, God, 
Search my heart, see if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me in the life everlasting. How many of you guys pray that prayer in your prayer time? God, search my heart. God will do that. He will bring those things forward. And then he says, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Remember, go back to chapter 1 where he says, uh, when you pray for wisdom, believe that you've received it from God and don't be double-minded. Believe that God has heard you. And then he says this, grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. So submission, again, is key. I don't know what happened to that last note. I, oh, well. Submission is the key to humility. And then look at verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will do what? Lift you up. Some passages say in due time. So you want something that somebody else has. Remember the story I used a few weeks ago about Robert Morris and the vehicle that he wanted? He saw all these other pastors at that time. SUVs were big. and I remember back in the 80s when it was the big old Cadillacs, right? I don't want any of that stuff. I got a nice beat-up old pickup truck, and it works great for me. But he wanted an SUV, and he kept desiring that. That's, he saw what they had. That's covetousness. I want what they got. And he, would, he, he, he went and purchased one when God told him no. So he purchases this uh, SUV, and he had more problems with it. He paid somebody almost to get rid of that thing. Then he gets a phone call from his friend. And he said, hey, uh, I heard you needed an SUV. He goes, yeah, I've been, I had one. He goes, well, I was going to give it to you a year ago, but God told me to hold off. Well, it was a year before that he had bought that vehicle. And he was gonna, God was going to give him a vehicle. God can do that. He did that with my truck. If you guys know my story of my truck? Remember I shared that with you? How many of you guys know the story of my truck? Okay, a lot of you guys. Some of you can't remember. <laughs> God gave me that truck. The green truck that I got out there. And I take care of it and I do what I can. But God did give me that truck. But we need to be obedient to listen to God. Sometimes it's not wrong to want something that somebody else has. Where it becomes sin is when we're fighting so much to get it and we start treating people wrong to get that. And not listening to God. That's disobedience. Wait, patience. And that's one of the, that is one of the, 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 the fruits of the Spirit that's hard to follow. It is. How many of us struggle with patience? Raise your hand. You weren't patient in raising your hand. <laughs> I'm teasing you this night. But, but it's true. Think about the fruits of the Spirit. God wants to cultivate that in our life. So submission to God is the key to resisting the devil and all of these things. If you get one thing out of this, submit to God. Come to Him with your, with your desires. If it's something you want to do within the body of Christ, say, God, you've given me these gifts, but now open up the doors. Open the doors for them. God has a plan and a purpose. He will direct your steps. And, and small beginnings are not bad. 
Small beginnings aren't bad. If you're faithful with little, you'll be faithful with what? Much. Yeah, that's right, lot. So let's pray. Father, we just come to you tonight. Help all of us tonight, Lord. We all struggle with these things, especially admitting and turning, but most of all, coming to you first. Father, if there's anything in our life that's taken the place of you. Help us to put you back into the center. In fact, help us, Jesus, to put you in the center of our life. That, that you will be the center, and out of the center comes all the other things. Lord, you're to come first, then our spouse, then our kids, then those other things. If we're not putting you first, then all that other stuff doesn't mean anything. God, you are to be the center of our relationship with you. Help myself, help this congregation tonight, even within the body of Christ. Keep us, Father, from covetousness. Help us to desire the things that you want, not what we want. Help us to get in line with your will, not our will. Help us to search out what your plans are for each and every one of us. Because like Robin said, Lord, and what you spoke to her. We all have a plan and a purpose for, that you have, you have a plan and a purpose for all of us in the body of Christ. You have, you have a job for each of us to do and they're all important. Not one part is more important than the other. They all have a part to play. So God help us tonight to put you first in everything we do in the name of Jesus and everybody said amen. Well, thank you. Love you. God bless you. If you need any prayer, I'm here to pray with you. And uh, we'll see you later. Oh, I guess everybody goes back there. Okay, so everybody goes back there. I almost got out.